Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface X. And going off of a comment that we made in last uh, episode, talking about how the media and how it's presented, COVID gave a unique situation to, to us Catholics. Um, in very many places around the country, if not the world, uh, for at least a period of time, we were physically not allowed to go to Mass. Um, some jurisdictions in this country are trying to push that longer and possibly indefinitely, depending upon which politician you're listening to. And what I wanted to talk about was not necessarily about the legal fight of, of whether you're allowed to go to mass, especially in California or anything like that. What I wanted to talk to essentially was how we adapt it as a faith and hopefully what that could translate to in terms to the last conversation of us becoming dumbed down from the Twitter and meme culture that is becoming ever more growing. Um, you know, in, in so many ways, as I think about uh, a potential undercurrent that we've had whenever we get into these uh, political-ish type conversations, how the church is, is counterculture and how that's that stability of being constant and being driven by truth and ideals but at the end of the day truth above all else kind of will put you against things that are superficial and not wanting to be dealing with hard facts and reality and one thing is evident is that anything that's hard in our modern culture and probably my entire life i just was too young to realize it we try to find a quick fix to get away from it you know, if you look at it, you can turn on the radio any day around the middle of the day, you'll hear about all these pills that are magically going to make you thin, regardless of how fat you are. Um, life doesn't come in a pill, but at the end of the day, exercise and diet is hard. It requires thinking, it requires effort, and, and it's a lot easier to just say, I'm going to give someone $20 and believe that this pill will fix me. And in a lot of ways, the, the faith is kind of that. It's, it's a diet and exercise approach to life. You know, going back to the last episode about the Pope, you know, what he was saying ultimately was wrong was the sexual activity. And that's kind of the, the, the bridge of society doesn't want to listen to at all. That, that engaging in, in sexual activity, um, being unmarried, ultimately has negative consequences. And while people experience those in a breakup and they just chalk it up to life, it's not something you had to do. And therefore, adding this extra pain and suffering literally was self-imposed um, by a, a choice at a, at a previous time. So not to completely genericize everything, but that's in general, you know, kind of where we're at. And, and probably one of the biggest sticking points that society is fighting back against the church and uses that as the first step off to get away from the church because um, everyone's sex drive is the second strongest drive in every person's body. Um, survival is first, sex drive second. I mean, science has, has proven that. So it's a very natural thing to say, I want to do it, I want to do it now. You combine that with an adolescent starting mindset, which media has been pushing us to get closer and closer to, it just kind of seems inevitable that the church would become more and more counterculture. That being said, COVID kind of forced the church to figure out how to present 
um, the mass at minimum through an online medium that can get to the masses. So I wanted to use this episode to kind of address the fact that now we were really forced aside to just choosing to go into this medium and how it, how it affects us and what possibly could mean going downfield. Yeah. The, uh, we talked in the, in our, in the last episode about the way that a dominant medium affects everything else because everything gets driven through that medium and conforms to the medium rather than the medium really presenting things as they are. And so when the dominant medium becomes television, uh, which was the first stroke, uh, and then television gets pushed into other other spheres, uh, a lot of the electronic versions of that, Netflix and uh, just YouTube videos and live streaming, uh, and then uh, boiled down into headlines. And any, anyway, everything gets uh, trivialized, made superficial because it gets pushed into entertainment, which is the primary mode of of television. Um, I didn't say it the last time, but I, I always like to repeat, you know, the expectation in television is that you never hold a frame for more than two and a half seconds and that you never have someone talking in a conversation for more than 15 seconds. And that doesn't foster deep thought. It doesn't foster deep discussions. It doesn't foster deep reflection. It's actually when we hold our gaze on something, we start to penetrate the meaning of things when we hold our gaze. If we only looked at people for two and a half seconds, uh, you've probably been like that or, or experienced people like that whose gaze is, is darting all over the place. And you experience that person is very distracted and you don't look to them for deep thoughts a lot of the time. You uh, presume that they're really distracted and they can't contribute anything to the conversation of real value. That's really what television is doing. So again, just recognizing the, the, that dominant medium and the impact that it has on so many things. When we were forced online during COVID, it created, a, and it created some interesting things, I, I think. And I haven't, this is all anecdotal. I mean, I haven't done a thorough study of any of this. Just my experience from talking to a fair number of people and then what I've seen myself and, you know, our listeners can test this against their experience and against the reality of future surveys and studies and whatever else comes out. But it seemed to me that uh, everybody was first sort of dismayed that what we can't go to church, we're locked into our house depending on people's devotion to the mass, they were more or less dismayed by that. But basically there was some distress at the outset and uh, relatively quickly, more and more parishes started live streaming masses. The interesting thing is they didn't live stream masses in a television professional kind of way. People didn't start with two cameras, switching angles, panning, having professionals that were uh, even wiring the, the audio in a good way. A lot of times it was a priest with a cell phone and a tripod and just set the thing up and had mass in front of it and people tuned into it. It's not actually the mode of television. It really is a live stream uh, broadcast, just an extension of the, that space. And so it forces you to focus your attention because the cell phone or whatever the live streaming device is itself focused 
on whatever is happening in front of it. And so it gives you the experience of sitting in the congregation in one place and looking at and thus participating from one particular angle in the Eucharist that's in front of you. So that actually was a great improvement on television and didn't fall into the dominant medium of entertainment and reducing the mass to entertainment. Now that developed in several ways. Uh, some groups were already able to produce more interesting uh, mass productions, EWTN or you know Bishop Barron with Word on Fire with real mass television studios that were had multiple cameras and cameramen and uh, these kinds of things and produced more entertaining versions of the mass. And I have to say, we also did that at St. Vincent because we have a nice video system and we have a monk who was a professional television person before he entered the monastery. So uh, St. Vincent was also, may I say, guilty of this. Um, I, Anyway, that's uh, it, it doesn't help because it turns the mass into entertainment. Now, we end up in a kind of in-between place because we don't fully turn the mass into entertainment. We don't actually like switch to an entirely different thing. It's still just the mass. And so we don't have, uh, I don't think anybody was really producing like, uh, you know, a commentator appearing in a window and then uh, some other images that were being drawn from other places and then some text along the bottom and some random music to come in and fill up spaces and a lot of other things that we do in entertainment in order to keep the senses stimulated. Entertainment is about stimulating the senses in a way that doesn't make the brain work too hard. All of the work is being done for you. And so it has a little bit of a mesmerizing quality, which is also why we tend to, you know, kind of zone out and practically drool when we're watching good entertainment, when we're watching television in its sort of full form. So uh, I don't think we ever quite got that far. And so we ended up in some places in a kind of weird in-between place that it was pseudo television. So it was pseudo entertainment, um, but the mass is never really entertaining. That's not the point of the mass. The mass isn't about entertainment. And so trying to turn it into entertainment uh, would have to do violence to the mass. And fortunately we always left the mass intact. We didn't have commercial breaks and like have pauses for other things to be inserted. Father didn't sit back and, you know, have a smoke in the middle of it. And we actually had the mass. So that was a saving grace, I think. But I know that people also uh, at first felt like, okay, well, I really want the mass to come into my home more than just through a screen. And some people set up altars and candles and altar cloth images and kind of turned their living room into a, a little bit of a chapel and, and brought the mass into their home in a more concrete way, which is very beautiful. And uh, some found ways also to sort of extend the celebration or, or have that. I know, uh, you know, one father who uh, led his family in certain litanies and processions and had services of of the word and and then maybe switched into the liturgy of the Eucharist just to watch that part that he couldn't replicate on his own. Only a priest can pray the liturgy of the Eucharist in a, a way that's actually uh, effective. So, um, you know, but but then I, I think generally after the, you know, there was something that was kind of interesting and challenging and, uh, you know, new novel 
And we got a little bit excited about that. Some people did anyway, and, and found ways to, you know, how can I bring as much of the mass into my home as possible? And how can I live this in the best way? And then I think over a little bit of time, we kind of got tired of that. It's like, this is like a lot of work, you know, I mean, it's all the work that sacristans are normally doing, setting things up and getting things prepared and, you know, having whatever the uh, the, the hymns and the, the sacred elements and, and the right colors and the whatever, whatever else. And it's like, oh, this is kind of tiring and I'm not all that interested and it's not all that entertaining. And it really is only on a screen and I can pray the spiritual communion, but it's hard to sort of sustain this. It's easy to get distracted in my living room. Uh, it's easy to just, you know, bring a cup of coffee and my breakfast and sort of watch mass while I eat breakfast. And then the, uh, I think a lot of things sort of devolve because ultimately we, we do need to be in a sacred space. We do need to be engaged in a, in a place that puts us in a different world. There's a reason that we have stained glass windows in churches and we have pews and not chairs. We have altars and not tables. We have sacred images and not family photos. You know, we have we have different kinds of things that are related to what we have in our homes, but they're also different. And that helps us to engage with our full body surrounding us in a church, the difference, and gives us a fighting chance of keeping our attention. Even traveling to mass, that we have to move from one place to another, moves us interiorly as well into a different place of worship, of adoration, of attention, of petition, of prayer. So, uh, you know, we, we really miss those things. We could kind of live on the fumes of them for a week, uh, a month, maybe two months, but over, over a longer period of time, it's, it just doesn't do it for us. And we really need to worship with our whole body, with our whole attention, and, and we need to come into a sacred place. So anyway, those are some of my observations about how, uh, church life started to develop. In terms of the mass, I think there were other things that opened up in terms of video conferencing and groups online. I think there are ways to pray um, by Zoom or Hangouts or whatever. Uh, I think there were some things that got kind of pushed to the next level, and we found ways to engage that will be helpful in an ongoing way. But there, there's not enough glue there to hold everything together. We, we really need the glue of of the liturgy celebrated in a church with our physical presence to hold all of the rest together. And, and you can see, I, I know as soon as we had the chance to go back, we did because we did the, we cleared out the whole living room, moved all the furniture, all that every Sunday. And, and, and it was, it, it definitely changed, uh, changed the perspective. I mean, there's already a, uh, a similar issue in, in trying to get out the door on time. So you get there and you have that, we have to get up and hurry and, and we're going somewhere of importance. And there's just something about it. Your most people's living rooms are, are designed to be um, places of comfort in, in one format or another. And that comfort inherently can make your mind wander and, and just keep you uh from being engaged and it's not to say that 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 the church isn't meant to be a a welcoming place by any means because it most certainly is it's just that there you're correct in in terms of physically going in, in going to a different building it does mindset you and even the the drive and the preparation is is way different than you could have than walking down a flight of steps it it just is and um 
you know, so, so I think that, 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 that whole thing is, is certainly real. And again, this is anecdotal, but I, I think that, that I, I have two contradicting thoughts that, that, that are going on simultaneously. My, My first is, is that, that just like in the beginning that people were on board with going online is that when churches formally open and, and the, each person's internal fear of being close to another person dissipates. And I think that there will be a, a natural returning to church. And, and my fear is, is that, that, that it won't sustain itself. Um, that that's just a fear that I have. Um, but in terms of people wanting to return, I do know that in our particular parish, um, we just had a, a mass to, uh, to John Paul II on his feast day. And granted, a certain percentage of all the pews are blocked out, but it was the first time we had to have people upstairs in probably 50 years. And it, it's just that the, the, there, there was a, a thirst to come out and, and to be there. So it's that there certainly is a demand, uh, if you will, to put it in economic terms. I just hope that it, it remains sustainable. And with that regards, I guess there's only one way with, with time will tell. Um, and, and when we return to normality and, and what that will be. So I know that obviously each individual priest has a, ha, has more of a, a power over than any national situation, but, uh, but that is a, a, a thought and a fear of mine that, that, that as we go down this road, that essentially politics has become the, the religion of many that, that we lose the, what actually matters and, and how to create that revival of, of going to church, of going to church, that experience silence, experience being in a different place and actively putting yourself there, not just having it bestowed upon you as a little child saying, well, today we're eating this because I said so and that's what I made, but actively choosing to being in the church, in the faith and in, in the, the, the presence of God. Um, because that's also one of the other things that had been in my head as, as we've been discussing these last two episodes of the media continually driving us down. Many times as we discuss with prayer that it's the silence is actually when we can listen. And if we don't train our minds to actually be silent and to listen and to pay attention, it can make it very challenging to, to open ourselves up to, to what the, the message we're supposed to hear and receive is. So those are kind of the thoughts and the fears that I have moving forward as we're coming down the home stretch of, t- of today's episode. Yeah, I think you make, uh, I think you make important points. As you say, well, time will tell, but um, you know, we need to be, we need to be clear that this is not uh Ultimately, remote church is uh, is not sustainable, and the uh, coming together as a parish and and I think it's a real opportunity to rediscover what the mass is, what the parish is, what the church is about, and to uh, renew that. Maybe that would be worth uh, doing some some episodes about to really see that everything is generated from this. the The church is generated from the Eucharist. It's a document that. Pope John Paul wrote in 2002 to really emphasize that truth that the church is generated from the Eucharist. 
Um, we, we have a church because we have a Eucharist, uh, because Jesus on the night before he suffered uh, took bread in his sacred hands and said, take this all of you and eat of it. And then he told the disciples, do this in memory of me. And uh, practically speaking, he ordained them as priests to continue the mystery of his self-giving love, his redeeming love on the cross that was given to us and is given to us in the Eucharist. So it's the source and summit of all the, the life and grace in the church, as the Second Vatican Council taught us. Everything is generated from that. And thinking that we can, you know, sort of be spiritual or have God anyway or something like that, it's missing something profoundly. Um, so anyway, uh, yes, we'll have to we'll have to see how things play out, but certainly a challenge to our listeners to think deeply if you're not going back to church yet, um, what's what's holding you back? And do you realize what you've lost in that physical participation? And I do want to point out, because I'm sure there's a group of people that just yelled COVID at the top of their lungs. Um, there has been nationwide zero transmission from a, at a church. Um, that's also a fact. So with that being said, we, we hope that everyone out there is is with us and, and, and returning to mass. We thank everyone for listening and continuing to spread the uh, the cast around as, as we keep growing and growing. So we'll be with you guys again next week and we will see you then.